0: This message is from Living Rock Church and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. It's uh, a great uh, blessing to be able to talk about uh, this subject and we've been considering Covenant together now for uh, a number of months, haven't we? And um, you know, in, in everything that I'm talking about this morning, just to, to, to say as well, I, I'm not the expert at this, but this is something that God wants us to grow in and express as a church and as a covenant and kingdom community, and when we do and as we do, God will bless us so richly, will be such a testimony to the world around us, that the world will stand up and notice, that people will be blessed, people will be saved, the world will be changed and God will be glorified. So this is quite an important subject. It is Talking about covenant love or convenient love. And um, last week I, I started by, by sharing about the fact that God is a covenant initiator, a covenant keeper. He's trustworthy. And he wants us to be a covenant people to reflect his, the nature, his nature of being a covenant making, covenant keeping God. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. When God makes a relationship, he, st- he stays true to it, yes. no matter what. When God commits his love towards us, he does it unconditionally and completely without holding anything back, and it's not dependent on our value or our worth or what we think we're worth. In fact, what it does is it instills value, and it instills worth, and we realize that something about me is special. Why? Because God has chosen to love me. And something is special about you. Why? Because God has chosen to love you. We can see. We can understand how much God loves us. it It changes everything. It changes everything. And if we understand how much God loves our Christian brothers and sisters. It will change everything. And if we understand how much God loves the world. It will change everything. Because firstly, it will change my love towards him. It'll make me more devoted than ever, more desiring to please him and honor him and and live for him. It'll make me more willing to serve my Christian brothers and sisters, and it will compel me to reach out to a world that needs to experience and know the love and the power of God. And so this is so important for us. We talked last week about how when Jesus challenges the church in Ephesus in, in Revelation 2, and he says, You do so many good things, you do them so well, but one thing I have against you, you've forgotten your first love. Who's he talking about? Their love for him. So glad we've been singing our our, our appreciation and declaring our love for Jesus this morning, because that has to define us above all other things. But the truth is, if we love him, then we love his body. And we here this morning have a look around, particularly good-looking congregation this morning. This is the body of Christ. This is where our love is to be expressed. If I love him, I will love you and you'll know it. You'll experience it. Something about how I relate to you, think about you, talk to you, treat you will reveal that I love him and I love you. Because agape love is always expressed practically. In Romans 12 verse 9, Paul says, come on guys, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Really love them. Just really love them. He's talking about it in the context of, of, a, of a church community where there's a variety of backgrounds and ages and, and you know, diff- people supporting different rugby teams and all sorts of other things. That's all I'm going to say. But in it all, covenant love. And I talked about this is where, this is where it really hits the ground. I talked about how when we covenant love one another, it's the sign of our security and our maturity. How in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says about what love is, this type of love, this covenant love. It's patient and it's kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Covenant love never loses faith covenant love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. We talked last week about how God wants to transform the relationships that we have as people. How in the garden when sin came in it broke the relationship not just between man and God but between man and woman between parents and children all of mankind the relationships were broken. God said there's enmity That word enmity means hostility. Enmity between you. And I said last week, we need to change enmity to unity. And the only way I can do that is to take me out and put you first. That's how we change enmity to unity. I take me out and I put you first. And that's God's heart for us. That's a secure, mature person can do that. I can put myself second. How many parents in the room? How many of you have ever put yourselves second for your child? You know why? Because you're mature and you're secure. And it's right that we do that. God wants us to be mature and secure. Childishness is to be jealous. It's to demand our own way. You don't need to teach a child to have a tantrum. You know we didn't get our kids together just before they hit their second birthday for a little chat right you're going to be too soon there's a lot of expectations on you now that you're going to kick off particularly in supermarkets shops and libraries this is how you throw a tantrum no of course not demanding our own way jealousy unfiltered words and just comments and things that we do that are unchecked those are childish things God says, those are what immature, insecure people do, but you are different yeah, that's right. because you're loved. Yeah, that's the Rather than jealous, you're selfless. Yeah. Rather than demanding your own way, you're considerate to the needs of others and kind. Rather than unchecked anger and words, you're self-controlled and patient. God wants us to be those people, and I'm so blessed to be part of a church where that is already being expressed. Yeah. I want to commend us commend you for for attitudes where you've already expressed that love to one another. It blesses God above all else. And last week I talked firstly about how this first point, that love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And, um, And I talked through the comparisons and began to look at the comparisons between David's relationship with Saul and David's relationship with Jonathan. And if you turn back in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16, because this is where we we looked, in 1 Samuel 16 through to 1 Samuel 20. Two very very different relationships in the end, but both of them seemingly starting in the same way, using the same phrase, which is this, Saul loved David very much. 1 Samuel 16, 21. And then it says of Jonathan that Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. 1 Samuel 18, verse 3. even talks in the middle of that point that the people loved David because he won the battles. And the contrast between how Saul's love for David, although he loved him very much, he loved David because of what David did for him. And when that began to sort of become a problem, David's, the way that people looked at David and viewed David and he saw David as a threat, he began to feel insecure and he began to threaten David and then he sought to kill David. Not just once, but on a number of occasions. Compared to Jonathan, Jonathan who even when his own life was in danger because of his friendship with David, he committed himself covenantally to continue to stand for, stand with and love his brother David. Complete contrast. Yes. When Saul failed, he was tormented. David arrived and he played the harp beautifully and, and, and Saul was blessed by that. He was relieved and comforted by David's playing. David wins a great battle against the giant Goliath. But as soon as other people began to recognize David's military prowess and victory, Paul began to be jealous of David. We cannot ever be jealous of one another we must never compete. We have been put together to complete one another, never to compete. Please never compare yourself with another person in the body of Christ. We are created with great diversity to bring glory to God. The only person that we are to ever compare ourselves to truly is Jesus. And together we represent the fullness of Christ, we're to grow to become the full stature. Christ Jesus together. Yeah. That we must never compete, we always complete. That when one of us is successful, all of us celebrate. Yeah. Right. That when one person ministers, and you know what? This is the fifth week in the row that they brought testimony of healings that have come through their hands. And I've been desiring to heal people and I pray for people all the time, but I'm just not seeing it as like, oh, really annoyed with them. They heal people like falling off a log. I'm struggling all the time. And now people are talking about their healing ministry and I wanted my healing ministry. No. When others are recognized, when when good things happen for one of us, we all celebrate together because a victory for you is a victory for me. A success for you is a success for me. When I break through in something, you rejoice with me because we do it together as the body of Christ. Jonathan saw that. He understood that. Saul got jealous. He didn't understand it. And in the end, he tries to take David's life. He didn't rejoice. He resented. He didn't complete. He competed what David was doing. And covenant love does not do that. We're a people that support one another, rejoice when one another succeed. And I just want to add this to this point that we shared last week. This is where we sort of finished last week. That to complete one another, we need to meet with one another. we need to be together that in part of that completing it requires a meeting it says in Hebrews don't give up the habit of meeting together as some of you have but rather get together why to complete one another to encourage one another to build one another up to stir one another up so that when I come to any gathering of God's people I know that the first thing that I'm there to do is to build up those that I'm about to meet with It means that other things become secondary because this is my priority. Because I'm part of something bigger than myself. I'm even part of something bigger than my family. It's not to the detriment of my family, but to understand I'm part of something great. I'm part of the body of Christ. And the way that the body of Christ is strengthened and grows to maturity is me playing my own personal part. And the only way that happens is me gathering with God's people why we put such a strong importance on gathering together on a Sunday morning. Why we value so much the life groups. Why we desire that people meet together outside of planned meetings. That we can encourage one another and bless one another. Just want to throw that out there. That to complete, we need to meet. Let's guard our gathering together. Let's make it a priority. And if we're out of the habit, let's make it our habit again. Second thing is this. put the next slide up for me love does not demand its own way it cares not controls it releases it doesn't restrict you see Saul tries to impose himself on David when David says that he's going to fight Goliath Saul says put my armour on and that was restricting to David it held him back And David needed to take Saul's armor off to actually have a success in the battle. And then later on in in 1 Samuel 18 verse 2, after David has had his success against the giant Goliath, it says, From that day on, Saul kept David with him and would not let let him return home. Saul was controlling David. He wanted to control him. He's my lucky charm makes me feel better, he wins the battles, I'm going to keep him close. God doesn't want us to be controlling of one another. God doesn't want us to impose and project our ways and our views, our sources of strength and even our insecurities on one another. We're to be different and we're to express that together. I want to encourage us today to say, the the capacity that you have to do things, the gifts that God has placed within you, don't necessarily project those things onto others and have wrong expectations of others. The capacity that we have is specific to us. The gifts that we have are specific to us. And sometimes I can look to somebody else and say, well, they should be doing this or they should have done that. And what I'm doing is I'm imposing what I'm able to do and the gifts that I have onto them. And that can be very limiting and restricting and cause us to see one another in the wrong way. God wants us to recognize the variety that's among us, to have grace towards one another, to extend care towards one another, not to try and control one another. When it comes to the faith that I have, please, each one of us have to move with the faith that we have. Don't peg your faith back. If you've got the faith, move in it. But please, as well, don't demean or look down on somebody else because they don't seem to have the same level of faith for something that you have. Jesus never asks us to move with anything other than the faith that we have ourselves. If you want to apply your faith into their situation, do so, but don't do it in a way that condemns them or puts them down. God moves in line with our faith. We mustn't control one another. Of course we encourage one another. Of course we pray for one another. Of course we bring the word of God with grace to one another to build one another up, to increase our faith. But please don't look down on somebody because they don't seem to have the same level of faith as you or they did something slightly different to the way that you would have done it. We're bigger than that. We model something, we express something, but we don't do it in a controlling way, we do it in a caring way. Our insecurities... We must never impose those on others. Because I wouldn't have done it, it doesn't mean that it wasn't the right thing for them to do. If they have the faith to do it, we must encourage one another and support one another in that. With wisdom, of course. Even our own consciences. You know, Paul talks about this in Romans 14. He says, some of you uh, celebrate certain days, choose to not eat certain things, choose to not drink certain things. If that's where your faith is at, God bless you. But please don't impose those things on others who don't have that sense of consciousness about it. And by the way, if you're feeling free to do whatever you want on those days and eat what you want and drink when you want, don't flaunt it in front of those who have a conscience there. What's he saying? Think about one another. Care for one another. Don't try and control by imposing as Saul did the armor that fitted me. Be close to me. Be like me. You know, when Jonathan knew that the right thing was for David to go, he released him. That we look out for one another. That we care for one another. We never control one another. See, care is, is about love, isn't it? And control is, ultimately, it's about fear. When we care for one another, growing up, and um, my parents' love for me and their care for me stopped me doing more things than the fear of them punishing me or controlling me. Because control is about breaking the rules, but care is about breaking the heart. And to break my mother's heart was far more upsetting for me than breaking the rules. That when we are focusing on control or controlling others it's a fear of punishment but when we're caring for one another the focus isn't on punishment, it's on pleasing the control is oppressive but the care is freeing the control says I'm afraid I'm not good enough whereas care means I'm secure in being valued and I live up to the value on which I understand I have fear and control means that I'm pressured but when I'm cared for and loved I know that I'm precious one hides when there's a mistake the other admits when there's a mistake because it knows that it's in an environment where love and care are expressed not control and restriction liberating isn't it that's the covenant community the way that God wants us to relate to one another to be like Jonathan not like David to complete and not compete to care and not control and thirdly, this, to commend and never condemn. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. You know, when when um, Saul is threatened by David, I, I, I did count, and I can't find the piece of paper I wrote it down of, and I didn't have time to count this morning, but I think it's probably about half a dozen times that Saul tries to kill David. Okay. And there's this condemnation, there's this defaming, this wanting to put David down that caused all sorts of problems. And he hurled spears. He even sent people to murder David in his own bed, to risk his, his daughter's life to do so. He even then turned his anger and, and murderous thoughts on his own son, Jonathan. Whereas Jonathan did all that he could to keep David alive. And all of this stemmed from one place Saul's heart. Jonathan's heart see that's where the battle really takes place isn't it, in our hearts how is my heart towards you how is your heart towards me are we guarding our hearts or are we allowing as so did, jealousy to begin to creep in or a dislike or an offence to take root and begin to work its way in our hearts and in our lives so that we see people in a different way through that filter that I talked about last week, where everything then they'd seem to do is seen through that filter, so they can't do anything right. God wants us to guard our hearts towards one another because it's from our hearts that our words come, isn't it? Yeah. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's when things happen in our hearts, those are the things that produce the actions. That's why Jesus says, if you think lustfully or if you think about angrily, It produces adultery. It produces murder. He's saying these things stem from within, from your hearts. God wants us to guard our hearts towards one another. And when we do, we won't hurl spears willy-nilly. Throwing spears because we're angry with somebody else. You know that our words are the spears. It's interesting. Saul throws a spear. Ping. David dodges it. And the, the spear hits the wall. You know what? With those spears that we throw, it may not hit the target that we're aiming for, but it will damage the fabric yes. of the building. And later on, he turns those spears on his own son. Why? Because he started throwing spears at David, other at people. It's open season. I've, I know, I've opened this door now. And if I can say something against you, I can say something against them. His heart wasn't guarded and it allowed other things to break out as a result. He spoke ill of David and demeaned him. And then we compare that with Jonathan in 1 Samuel 19 verse 4. Jonathan saying, don't sin against David. He's never done anything to harm you. He's always helped you in any way he could. He defeated the Philistine giant. He brought a great victory for Israel. There's no murder in in him and you shouldn't murder an innocent man. There's no reason for it at all. He, he speaks up for his brother. This, this is a covenant community. Where covenant love is expressed means we defend one another. We never defame one another. We speak well of one another all the time. We think the best of one another. Yeah. Just as Jonathan did. No place to allow our attitude to, to be projected and, and for things within us to come out and start throwing spears. And if there's issues, we're to deal with it firstly in our own hearts. Sam, if you stand up for a minute, please. And uh, Stephen, would you stand for a minute, please? Let's just say that for some reason, I can't imagine now, so you really have to use your imagination, that these two men of God fall out. Something happens between them. Sam is hurt by something. But rather than Sam going directly to Stephen to talk about it, and Sam's not able to put it to rest in his own heart before God, to, to, to leave it, to move on from it, instead he starts to talk to some of his friends. Because, you know, he just wants to, just wants to work this through. And so he gets Adam to stand with him, and Mike, and they stand And he starts to tell them about some of the things that are going on. And and Stephen notices that Sam's been a bit cool towards him over the last few weeks. And he speaks to Alison about it. Alison, if you'd stand. And obviously Christine and Leslie. Even Leslie gets gets a shout. Look, she's chatting to him. and, And then you know what? The great thing happens. Sam and Stephen put things right. And they sit down. But what's been left? What's been left? Part of the body is still standing on something that's been dealt with. Can we take your seats again, please? Thank you. Adam and Mike view Stephen differently now. And and Alison and Christine and, and, and Leslie see Sam differently now. And they don't even know that things have been resolved. But in the body, there's enmity. There's discord and disharmony. God says no. Jesus says that's not what you do. If your brother sins against you, go to him. Put it right. And then, and only then, if he doesn't repent, take someone with you. That's how we deal with things in the body of Christ. If your issue is with myself or David or Chris, I can't imagine how that could possibly be the case. (laughs) But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, it is. We're here. We're here to speak, to pray, to recognize if there's something that we've missed. That's the last thing we want to do is, as, as elders is to not extend the care and, and, and care for the body of Christ in a way that honors the great shepherd. But if your issue is there with us, please take it up with us. Not somebody else over coffee. Come and speak to us. Amen. Speak. Are, you guys, are you guys okay with that? Yeah? Sarah, you're right with that. If they do that, I know you've got my back, sir. So. <laughs> but honestly, that, that we would much prefer that because then everything is open. The body is united. There aren't spears being thrown that are damaging the fabric of the building. In fact, we're not throwing spears. We're coming together. If Saul had talked to David in the right way, things would have been so different. If, if he'd related to David the way that Jonathan had, how different things could have been for him. And his kingdom. I hope you're encouraged by that this morning. I want to be so practical about these things. Because these things matter. And they impact our everyday life. They impact the words that we speak. They impact the way that we conduct ourselves. The way that we communicate with one another. So that there's honour throughout the body. And when there is the blessing of God. That we can expect and know to be among us. Even greater than we're experiencing now. Jesus is glorified. Our first love is honoured because we're taking care of his body in a way that's right and fitting. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Rather, we complete one another instead of competing. We care for one another instead of controlling. Mm -hmm. We commend one another instead of condemning. There's two highlights about Jonathan that I really appreciate. Sorry, one of Jonathan, one of David. This about Jonathan I love. He always thought the best. He thought the best of his father, and he thought the best of David. And I, I love his attitude in that. Just want to encourage, think the best of one another. Give one another the benefit of the doubt every single time. I used to work as a physiotherapist people used to come with chronic pain and, and uh, there, was a test, there were tests that you used to do in old English language for get ready for this malingerers <laughs> what a great word and if you weren't careful what started to happen was as soon as you read a, 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 a diagnosis before you'd even met the person you'd start to make your own ideas up oh here we go Probably won't even talk to them. I'll just do the five tests for malingerers. <laughs> not even met them yet. And I felt God challenge me and say, hang on a minute. You're not thinking the best here. Yeah? This could be a very legitimate reason that they're, that they're coming to see you today. Don't just you know, project what the last patient had on the next patient that you're going to meet. Think the best. Yeah, we were told to do that professionally, to think the best of the patient, to believe what they said first and foremost. Let's think the best of one another. Yeah. Think the best. And secondly, this is what I love about David. He made sure that he only ever fought the enemy. Never did he ever raise one finger against Saul. In fact, I struggle to find anywhere where he even speaks badly about Saul. You see, David's heart towards Saul was good. And so therefore, even though Saul treated him so abysmally, David's heart was good, so his words were good and his deeds were good. He said, this is the Lord's anointed. He may not be acting like it, but he is. And I have no right to speak or do anything that violates that principle. Each one of us here, born again believers, we are the Lord's anointed. We guard our hearts. We guard the way that we treat one another. And if we're going to do any damage, we do it against the enemy. That's where we put our attention in taking him out in praying for our brothers and sisters. If we feel like there's something between us, that we we pray for them, we bless them, we do them good, we think the best of them, and we deal with the enemy, never with them in a way that's fitting and right. See, Saul thought little of himself, but Jonathan knew that he was the son of the king. He was totally secure. So I just want to encourage us this morning to express this covenant love together, to be stirred and encouraged when we see the gifts working and people succeeding, that we rejoice together. To make sure that people don't do things exactly how we do them, we don't need to control them, we just care for them. And that we make sure that we always commend one another we never condemn. And that if we do need to take it up with somebody, that we go straight to them and do so. Do it with a good heart, expecting things to be put right, thinking the best. Amen? You the only way we can do this is by the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's in us and he's with us. Can we stand to our feet please? Gathered together as the body of Christ. Holy Spirit is here. Moving among us. He's present in each one of us. Those springs that we read about that are deep within. Julian encouraged us about. that can transform. Wildernesses into rich pastures. Maybe there are some relationships that we have that have become a wilderness and a desert. The Spirit of God wants them to become rich pastures again fruitful and fertile and pleasant and wonderful and something that expresses the very heart of God, His, His very creation, something of His glory that even in our own lives, that we recognize his love for us and it, it does us good and it causes us to push our roots down so that we're fruitful and strong. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would minister to each one of us here to every heart, to every life, yes, Lord. to this body as a whole as we're gathered together in the presence of our King Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you minister among us this morning Ask that you bring healing where it's needed. Ask that you'd help give wisdom where it's needed. Cause there to be forgiveness where forgiveness needs to come. Proclaim a releasing from past hurts that are holding back and limiting future relationships. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would cause the love the very love that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that same love to flood our hearts so that we look upon one another with great compassion, with real delight and care and love. And Holy Spirit, you'd cause us to be a covenant community that expresses the covenant that exists even in the Godhead itself. So that, Heavenly Father, all glory is given to you. So that, Jesus, you're glorified in our midst. So that, Holy Spirit, you're able to do all that you want to do in us and among us and through us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for a church that desires to come into all that you have for us. We surrender all to you, Jesus. And we ask that you'd have your way among us. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, please visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk